All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Galpaw Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Galpaw Podcast, where I help you understand why he screams at the TV during a game, especially when Virginia holds Louisville to 14 points and a half. Wahoo wah. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sports Galpaw and, of course, on SportsGalpaw.com and Gals and Pals. So a couple weeks ago, I had the distinct pleasure of being featured um, on their 100th episode. It's my all-time favorite sports podcast. No, it's not those crazy boys from Next Fan Up. It's not any of the ESPN nonsense. It's these two guys in Los Angeles. It's called the Cooper Rupert Podcast. I got to give you some background in case you haven't heard any of this, any of my other episodes about this. So Mikey Rupert's one of the co-hosts. He somehow discovered me on Twitter. I don't know how this happens. It just magically happened. He became one of my biggest fans. But he's got this co-host who's very intelligent, very smart, very you know super adorable. But I didn't really have any kind of like relationship friendship with him. So when I go on the show, I didn't even realize he had listened to my show or heard of my show or anything. And he's like, um, when do I get to come on the Gal Pond Nation? I'm like, um, anytime you want. And so Gal Paul Nation, he's here. Doug Cooper is the host, co-host of the Cooper Rupert podcast. He is a writer and I'm totally going to ask him about that because he kind of gave some hints about he works on some cool projects in that great Hollywood land. And um, he claims he's the comber of his own hair, which is always a good life skill to have gals and pals. And Doug, welcome to the show. It's all true. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to be on so I don't have to be bitter anymore. That's the that's the biggest thing that's happening today. Were you really bitter? That's hilarious. <laughs> no. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't bitter. Um, I, I was feeling, you know, some slight tinges of jealousy, though. You know, I want to be included. I want to have fun. No, and it is a fun podcast. It's not my fault. Mikey is very tricky. I'm not even going to deny that. I'm slightly in love with Mikey Rupert. I don't understand it. Um, he's probably Aren't very, we all? Well, he's v- probably very uncomfortable with the whole situation, um, given <laughs> that I am a married mother, too, in Virginia, and he's a single guy in California. But, you know, it, it just works. The heart wants what the heart wants, Doug. But I'm super happy you're on the show and you wanted to come on. So Because, I, I like I said, when I was interviewed by you guys, I typically actually agree with you more than I do mikey when you guys are debating on the show and that's how i knew you were smart you know that's how i knew that we would we would get along uh as long as people agree with me as long as that's that's like my main thing you know that's all i need it's very texas of you (laughs) exactly (laughs) all right doug how did you get into sports um well you know like any uh kid i guess you know when your dad uh wants to ruin your life he brainwashes you to love teams that you know create complicated relationships for the rest of you know the time you're you're watching, living, breathing, kind of doing the whole sports thing. So, you know, luckily for me, uh, I had a dad who was a Cowboys fan, and he, you know, caused me to fall in love, sort of. I mean, it, like I said, it's complicated with one of the most frustrating franchises in in the history of sports. And there's been some good stuff too. You know, like I got I got the Dallas Mavericks out of it, but it was mainly, mainly my dad sitting me down and, and making me watch too many things. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it was funny when, when I was on your show, you were like, how come I haven't been on? Because I knew that you'd graduate from the University of Texas and I knew you were a Cowboys fan. And I was going, well, <laughs> it was not a very happy football season. You had pretty much the football season I had because I'm a UVA grad and obviously our football team is garbage. Um, and then, of course, you know, you've got the whole everything going on in Texas is fascinating to me. Um, it was one of the schools I actually studied in, in college when I was working on, um, you know, 
craziness of fans in college sports, nobody does it better than the Longhorns as far as fandom. Like the sociology of it? What yeah. Were you studying? Yeah. So I was, um, I did a college thesis on why secular universities in the United States, and that's universities without any type of religious identity, will utilize athletics as a religious type identity. And that's why you get oh. into situations like a Penn State, for example. It's the worst case scenario where yeah. you have an institution where the football team becomes more important than everything else and the football team feeds into everything else. Because think about it. You've obviously been to a college um, football game, Go, you know, hook them. Several. If I, yes. Yeah. If, if I, if I say hook them, you're, you'll do the horn thing. It's kind of fun. <laughs> um, you know, you like burnt orange. It's cool. Um, <laughs> but what um, what's interesting, if you go to any kind of um, college football game, think about it. When you go, everybody's dressed alike. You have mm-hmm. a big picnic in the parking lot. You have songs and chants and rituals you all do together without really needing to be prompt. You have um, the athletic department asking for donations. And then you've got the coach who's leading. And when the coach doesn't do well, it can do very poor things as far as your mental and emotional psyche as a fan base. And here's the interesting thing. The Mm. people who donate more get closer access to the coach. I am also describing evangelical church. Yeah. It's the exact same parallel. So when we see it that way and you think about what is the business of universities in the United States, it's supposed to be to educate Mm -hmm. individuals into jobs and, and various things. But instead... The money and the way it is to get into the university is through athletics, primarily football, and sometimes men's basketball are the two primary drivers. Unless you're the University of Connecticut, then it's women's basketball. So, yes, yes. yes. See, that makes sense to me. I mean, I think that's part of the fun about sports is that it allows you to kind of feel ways that aren't like socially acceptable in real life. You know, it's like like playing sports or playing athletics, you can go out and you can scream in someone's face or you could be as angry as you want or whatever. And you're not a total monster. I mean, I think that's kind of the fun release of it sometimes, but you're right. It is, it is very religious-y. I mean, th- that is true. There is a lot of like, kind of, I mean, like I just said, it's brain. I mean, you know, there's, there's that element of just do this, like it. And you're, you're not even sure why you're liking it sometimes. Exactly, exactly. And so that's why um, it's interesting to me as I studied that and I do this podcast and I talk to, you know, a lot of people about why they're sports fans. And I don't think we ever ask ourselves those questions like, why do you pick the team you pick? Like, I picked the Philadelphia Eagles, honestly. I was born <laughs> in Philadelphia, uh, but I was only there two weeks. My dad's a Giants fan. And so I was a little mm-hmm. bit rebellious in him, but truly, honestly, and this is kind of embarrassing, though, I, I, I will admit it. I loved Terrell Owens. And so when he became a, an Eagle, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to cheer for them. And then I fell in love with Brian Westbrook. And who wouldn't fall in love with Brian Westbrook? He was tremendous. He's so magical. He, he was magical. I miss him very much. Um, and I was hoping to fall in love with DeMarco Murray. Um, and that did not happen because, <laughs> no. you know, no, no, because while the GM probably made a really terrible deal for him, the coach couldn't figure out how to use him. And it's too bad they were the same guy. Just not even enough time um, to to go into why I hate Chip Kelly so much. But yeah, and I think the same thing kind of with the Cowboys is that it's this almost like myth, you know, mythological kind of air around this team and they're America's team and they've got the hottest cheerleaders and the the most (laughs) brash owner and everything's bigger. Like I was in Dallas, Texas actually last summer for a um, podcasting conference. And we went to a Rangers game, and um, right across the street is AT&T Stadium, and you see it. It's massive. I mean, mm-hmm. it's huge, Doug. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Everyone in Texas calls it the Death Star. I and, can see that, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the vibe you get because it's just, it's just this giant monstrosity. I mean, it's not a monstrosity. It's a very nice building, but it, it, kind, of nice feels building. Like a, it kind of feels like a monstrosity sometimes. And everything around um, it isn't very nice. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like out in the middle of nowhere. It's like yeah. this so, top secret government project that they're, they were working on for years. And there was like some really crappy, like small used car lots. And I mean, you know, again, Ranger Stadium, Globe Life Park was beautiful. Like that yeah. was gorgeous. Like that design. And it was a nice, like Texas night. We had Breeze. And we're, they were playing the Yankees and there was gold dust. And I brought British guys who had never seen baseball before. So God knows. Always fun. Oh, yes. Everyone should bring a British per- Everyone should bring <laughs> a person who's never been to baseball to baseball because baseball is its own religion and itself. But yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I don't, I'm not even really a fan of, of the new Cowboy Stadium because the screen, when you go in there and you try to watch a game, the screen, the Jumbotron that they built, which was like kind of like the highlight of the whole thing, the, you know, it goes from the 20 to the 20 or the, you know, it's like the 60 yard thing. It's so big, you can't even watch the actual games. It, it, it draws your gaze away from it in a way that you, you can't, you're not even like, you're basically just watching the game at your house on like the biggest TV ever. With a really uncomfortable seat and bad Wi Fi. <laughs> Yeah, and and everything costs like eighty dollars. Yeah, so it's just you know I I, I don't know I'm, I'm not sure if I feel it, but it's definitely probably the thing that Jerry Jones is most proud of. It's what he pats himself on the back for every night, I think, before he goes to sleep. So uh, good for him. I mean, yeah, you know, if you got billions of dollars and Texas lets you build whatever you want to, you know, build the biggest stadium in the world. I mean, it's it's okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, he will settle for nothing less. You know, that's just who he is. Yeah, but that's the whole brash mentality of that. So, and that's what I find interesting because, you know, you just aren't that guy. <laughs> you know, when I think of like a Cowboys fan, I don't think of you. Um, I've got several friends who are Cowboys fans because they seem to, you guys are like gremlins. If you get them wet after night, they, you know, or what, feed them after night. If you get them wet, they just expand and multiply. And it's like, oh, you know, in this season, they were all dormant. It was like quiet. Because, you know, we broke, the Eagles broke Tony Romo. and um, <laughs> Exactly. Or Des Bryant. I forget which one, which one we killed. Um, but we, we killed one of them. And so, yeah, it was it was an interesting season nonetheless. But that's part of the reason I didn't have you on. Plus, the Texas Longhorns um, football team was just, it's, it's just not fun. And it's amazing for me, no. like, the decade ago, you guys were celebrating national championships. I know. I've had an awesome year. I mean, that's really the way, the big takeaway from all of this. I mean, I think, I think the, the reason that Cowboys fans will only come out when they've had a few beers is because I think a lot of them are reaching kind of the, this like, this breaking point where it's just this ongoing frustration. It's watching somebody make the same mistakes over and over and over again. We all know on some level, you know, if Jerry Jones, uh, whenever he decides to relent some level of control of the team, is when we'll start being good again. It's happened periodically for moments, but then as soon as the Cowboys start to have success, he wants to get in there and get involved and, you know, shake it up. And that's exactly what happened this year. I mean, Tony Romo getting hurt, that's why the Cowboys were going to be bad regardless because no team in the NFL can survive their their best player or their quarterback being hurt. But the reality is that that, you know, Jerry Jones, if that team had been totally healthy, Romo had been healthy, Jerry Jones threw a huge wrench in the system because he was the one who wanted to have Greg Hardy come in. And it was a huge distraction. It made the franchise look terrible. And that's the kind of stuff that he wants to do. He always wants to, you know, come in there and and and, and do one or two moves that he thinks are, is, you know, like that everyone's going to love or make him look like a genius. And it usually ends up backfiring. So I look forward to uh, him signing Johnny Manziel. It's going to be great. Uh, we'll have him here. And that'll be a terrible decision. And we'll all continue to uh, be sad. So... That's that's kind of where I'm at with the Cowboys, and I think a lot of Cowboys fans are at. Nice. It could be RG3. You never know. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Basically the same thing. 
Um, and I'm sure I'm almost like I, I don't want to say 100 percent positive, but I'm almost willing to guarantee that we will have one of those guys in our roster next year. That's going to be awesome. I'm not even going to lie. I will enjoy that so very much. So very much. Um, but, you know, now we're moving on to, you know, basketball because football is basically over. We've got one more game. And I don't really want to talk about the Super Bowl yet. I don't know about you. I'm like, no, I'm still not ready. We try to do a moratorium on, on the Super Bowl media week I, because it's just it's too much. Um, it, yeah, it, it, this whole there is there's like a limit of hype that you can that you can build up before something can never live up to it. And I think that's what we're doing with the Super Bowl. This like CBS doing 88 straight hours of coverage or something. It's like, mm-hmm. there's no way people could even enjoy the game with that amount of buildup. It's like, you're just ruining the thing that you're trying to sell. It's like the smart way to go is like to do like the Beyonce thing where you just drop the album and it's just out and nobody was expecting it. And then so everybody is just really hyped. Like, I think that's what they need to do with the Super Bowl. Just not a word. And then the, just the game is on, on Sunday. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and that's the thing with women sports fans, particularly, you know, we're definitely story driven. Like I, I do still enjoy the narrative of Peyton's last stand. He could ride mm-hmm. off in the sunset. It makes for a great end of a sports movie. All those things are great. The um, sheriff. Yeah, exactly. The sheriff's riding off the town. Um, but at the same time, I'm just, and I like the idea of the young Cam Newton rising up and people mm-hmm. are commenting, well, he celebrates too much and I'm going, he can celebrate all he wants to. He's Cam Newton and he's fantastic. Let the, yeah, let, I, I love it. Personally. Let the man dance. Come on. Oh, and he's a good dancer. Plus, he's giving b- footballs to kids. That's enjoyable. Yeah, like he, he's, he, he's legitimately having the most fun. He only wants to make us happy. Yes. Let him do. Let him do what he loves. Fan. Unless you're a yeah. Falcons fan, and of course, yes, but you know, I really don't care about them. Um, but <laughs> but it is basketball season. Dallas Mavericks. Um, you do like them, I know, and it's interesting because one of my favorite college players of all time, Justin Anderson, is a Dallas Maverick now. That's right. Yes, I forgot we have a connection. Yes, you do. And let me tell you, that kid is amazing. Um, he. I, I feel the absence of him very, very much um, <laughs> this year for the Virginia roster just because he just was, you know, especially that really good year where we kind of came out of nowhere and we went practically undefeated in the ACC and then we won the ACC tournament. Um, you know, he was the sixth man of the year because he would come out there and it was like an instant game changer. He would literally like squat and like hit the floor and we'd all go nuts. And <laughs> it was just amazing. I, I'm really hoping that he gets some time with you guys and so that Dallas can fall in love with him too. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I know that uh, management is pretty high on him and the organization likes him. I mean, obviously, he's like a really good guy from from everything I've read and heard. Um, there is, I mean, there's always the concern that Carlisle is, is the kind of coach that's not super great at developing players, like, which is kind of strange because at this point, Dallas has become like the rehab facility for the entire NBA, <laughs> where like the guys who are hor- like who have the weight problems or the drinking problems or some sort of problem. They come to the Mavs. They have, you know, their one-year or two-year hiatus. They get their life back on track, and then they go sign a big contract somewhere else. So it's strange to me that Rick Carlisle has had so much success rehabbing all these dudes, you know, uh, from Brendan Wright to, you know, what he's doing with Raymond Felton right now to what he did with O.J. Mayo to all these guys who people were kind of counting out. And yet he's really struggled to develop young talent. I think – you know, part of that could be, you know, Donnie Nelson's ability to draft and if he's getting the right guys for Rick Carlisle and, and maybe they're not on the same page in that way sometimes. But we, we'd like to see, you know, I, I know people in Dallas would like to see more development. And, and he's one of the guys that, I mean, I hope turns out great because we need an influx of young talent, especially after trading the one kind of success that we had had over the, the last couple of years in Jay Crowder to 
to to the Celtics and then watching him become like an all star or a borderline all star. You know, so I think I think Mavs fans would are hoping, you know, as much as UVA fans that uh he works out. Oh, definitely. Like, we totally want because it legitimizes our program. I hate to say that, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, because, again, we're in the same league as a Duke and a UNC. And yeah. UNC and Duke, are, Duke arguably has had the greatest college player of all time, Christian Leitner. Um, UNC arguably has one of the greatest ba- basketball players of all time, Michael Jordan. Yeah. So, and they always get to hold those over our heads. So, I mean, yeah, we had Ralph Sampson, but he wasn't that great in the NBA. Yeah, most people, <laughs> most people who are playing college basketball now do not even know what happened when he was alive. So exactly, and he was amazing. Um, so yeah, he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, when he he's was play- alive and playing, and that's playing, yeah, he's yeah. still around. <laughs> the games, he's humongous. He's like seven zillion t- feet tall. No, legitimately. I just assume Ralph Sampson was dead. I'm sorry. That's that's my fault. You know, I should be more prepared. You knew this. I bring this up. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, you're totally right. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I think to to become a great program, you see what like, I think these days, especially with the one and dones being so prevalent, like, uh, and not to say that's what the, what UVA wants to do as a program, but you do need some of that. And and I think the 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 programs and the coaches that have had the most success are the ones who are who are almost more NBA draft focused. Than they are college basketball and winning focused. You see Calipari, guys like that who I mean gets Calipari just basically goes, okay, you're going to be on my team, you're going to be on like he just goes to the you know McDonald's All American game and just taps dudes on the shoulders like, okay, I'll take you and you and you, and he gets any guy he wants because he is focused on getting them into the NBA and that's what those kids want to hear. So I mean, I think UVA, the more guys you get into the pros, that's 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 going to help you. That's only going to help you get more recruits, you know, in the future. Yeah, actually, Calipari grabbed one of our better um, um, recruits. I uh, forget the kid's name. A great kid out of Charlottesville. And Tony had locked him up, we thought. And then Calipari comes in and swoops in. And I don't blame the kid. He's like, I can go over here. I, mean, I, I totally don't don't blame him at all. Um, but Yeah, it's he, he, is, those, he like, is known oh. to do that. He, he will swoop in and, and, and steal your, your, your favorite friend. That's kind of his, his MO sometimes. It's kind of douchey if you think about it. <laughs> It's kind of like you're at a club and you you know you're there with the, with your girl like flirting with a girl and then all of a sudden your friend comes in and swoops in and grabs her and he yeah. goes home with her it's like hey wait a minute how'd that happen I did all the groundwork and she's exactly. warmed up ready to go so yeah not cool Calipari not cool yeah he's like the Leonardo DiCaprio of of college basketball do you think he's Just... also vaping in the middle of SAG Wars as oh, well <laughs> I hope so <laughs> oh my god that would be great I want to see Calipari vape. Oh my gosh! Yes. All right, we need to make that happen. All right, Calipari, you're on notice. Doug that should be about. a ha- hashtag. Uh, make make Calipari vape. vape. Cal- have you heard? The, have you seen the Leonardo DiCaprio make him wait? No. It's like this uh, hashtag kind of meme that's going around. It's just different pictures of him at the Oscars <laughs> with the hashtag make him wait. Like nobody wants to give him an Oscar, so I think the Calipari one could be make him vape. Nice, nice. I, I think like we could it. we could make that happen. I like it. I like it. So yeah, and then um, you also we have another connection because Texas very smartly hired Shaka Smart and you can already see it paying dividends. Like he brought that Havoc system though. You're not allowed to call it Havoc. Virginia Commonwealth mm. owns that trademark. Like you can <laughs> see that full port press, uh, pressure already erupting in Texas. It's been very interesting to watch. No, I mean, I have full faith in that dude. I, like the, the bottom line is anything will be better than Rick Barnes. Rick <laughs> Barnes was a traffic light. Basically he was like, I mean, it, like, the worst things could be happening at a Texas basketball game, and you would you would look over at Rick Barnes on the sideline. And he'd just be staring vacantly into the stands, like he had just like been in, been in a war. 
You know, like the dude in the war movies who's always shell-shocked and he's just kind of staring, the, the thousand-yard stare, staring vacantly while, like, horrible things happen around him? Like, that, that was, like... That was like the way Rick Bard coached. Like that was his that, that that was his like defining principle, and the guy just had no idea how to use any of the talent. He was a great recruiter. I mean, don't get me wrong, but he had no idea how to use any of the talent that that he ever got. I mean, when you can't get out of the uh, when you can't get into the Sweet Sixteen, and you have Kevin Durant, who's probably one of the most transcendent college bath- basketball players of the last I don't know fifteen twenty years. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. It is. So uh, I mean, I don't know. No, I agree. I agree. It's kind of like, again, I love Tony Bennett. I will not say anything bad about him, but, you know, we, we're known for having the last couple of years, again, great um, season success. I want to see, I think, honestly, this year, with as good as Malcolm Brogdon and Anthony Gill are, and London Parentes, we get him one more year, and I love him. He's arguably one of the best point guards in the country right now. Um, if we don't get at least to the Elite Eight, at least to the Final Four, it's going to be a disappointing season. There's just no way around it. And and that's amazing to me. Um, you know, as I was watching the Louisville game yesterday, um, so a little, um, as my friend Dennis Farrell say, inside baseball here, um, Doug actually wanted <laughs> to um, record this yesterday, and I'm, I looked at the schedule, I'm like, absolutely not, because it's during the Louisville game and he's like really I'm like yes I must watch it and I'm so glad I did because it was um, I love beating Louisville it's so good I understand I understand completely the struggle is real you gotta you gotta get your games in I literally have like the entire UVA so like again I'm an okay Eagles fan um but for UVA basketball I will literally like rearrange children appointments um <laughs> I've I have been known to tell my husband um you need to pick up the kids because I'm watching this game I'm not yeah. I'm not even gonna lie I'm not even gonna apologize about it it's, it's what I love and um, yeah, so I, and then I love the fact that Virginia has become a team that has, you know, when when you go to somebody else's house, they do a whiteout for you. Like that's the sign that you've arrived. You know, it's like when Seth Davis and Doug Gottlieb are saying nice things about you, which seems weird, and it's probably the first sign of the apocalypse. But you know, <laughs> well, I I think that you guys are on your way. I mean, yeah, you you do need some tournament success. It hasn't gone, I guess, the best. Um, but seating sucks. <laughs> yeah. Michigan State is an evil place. But you got, yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a buzzsaw that I don't think anybody really wants to go up against. But uh, I'm sure you guys will get there. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. College basketball over the NBA is it just because you just have more school ties and, and that like the the Bobcats are just or they're not even the Bobcats, the Hornets, or like who would you root for? It, as, a, as an NBA fan? Well, um, as a kid, I did the whole Bulls thing because everybody was a Bulls fan, but how could okay. you not? I mean, because it was Jordan and Pippen and, you know, Dennis Rodman is arguably one of the best rebounders of the entire... I mean, people forget uh, with his nonsense that he was an amazing basketball player. Yeah, you know, true. But he Kids, he played basketball before he went to North Korea as an ambassador. An for, me, he was just, for me, he was just a style icon, but that's, you know... That was my life as yeah. a kid. No, for me, he was an excellent, amazing rebounder. Like, I mean, and it's true. He was probably arguably one of the best defensive players um, that I've ever seen. Um, that's a large part of it. It's just, you know, again, when you have that direct connection to the school, because I went to UVA, I, I, I lived there, I weren't there, I, you know, I am a Wahoo. I'm bringing up tiny Wahoos, trying to get them into the school. <laughs> They already know it's in good old song, like because our our fight song is to the tune of Old Lang Syne. So at New Year's Eve, when they hear it, they start singing good old song, and I'm like, I'm doing a good job as a mom. Uh, <laughs> I'm a great mom. I am an amazing mom. My children <laughs> think that New Year's Eve is about us. I have a funny story about that. Um, the last bowl game UVA was invited to was the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, and um, we were playing Auburn. And the stadium Auburn's colors are exactly the same as UVA's. I mean, exact shade everything because mm-hmm. their first coach was a UVA guy, and so they're screaming like War Eagle. We're screaming 
screaming wahoo wah. It says Tigers and Cavaliers in the field. So no one knows who anybody's screaming for. And towards the end of the fourth quarter, it was getting close to midnight because it was New Year's Eve. And they start, the, the intercoms and um, the, the Atlanta was starting to play Old Lang Syne. All of us stood up and sang good old song. And people were looking at us like Auburn fans were like, what in the hell are they doing? Um, so, yeah, it's a funny story. No, but yeah. I, and I feel like college sports, and I, I will say this over and over again. The, the live fan experience, like if you... Don't ever go because I've been to a, I've been to when they were the Bobcats um, and I actually sat a couple rows back from Michael Jordan. Um, oh, and, nice. Yeah, so I mean, it was I was super close. I was like, wow, that's Michael Jordan. Okay, yay. Um, and they they serve Bojangles chicken there too. You can get fried chicken in that arena. That's a must. And biscuits. Now, if you're in North Carolina, that's that's where it is, and that barbecue. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, you know, and it was fun, but it's nothing like when you go to a college game and those students are there, and it's just there's something about it that's just it's just fun, and and it feels like the the game is pure. Um, watching, I can watch like Stephen Curry play, and it reminds me of college a little bit because I feel like he plays for pure. But then if I look at like a LeBron James, it's still a good game. It just feels like work. Like mm. a job, and I I don't get as much enjoyment out of it to be honest with you. So I'm agnostic when it comes to NBA. So I enjoy NBA. I pay attention to it more as we get into like finals time. Like most people, it's kind of like again, a lot of college basketball people don't pay attention to March. Yeah, that, I mean that's me. I mean that's my problem with the with the college game right now is the, is the play, the discrepancy in pl- quality of play between between college and the NBA has become so vast. Like the that it's just hard for me to watch. Like it's hard for me to, especially like, you know, a few years ago, it'd be really hard for me to go from like watching a Mavs game where the Mavs are running this like really sophisticated flow offense. And Rick Carlisle is probably one of the two best minds in the NBA and the, and just everything we do on the court looks amazing and great. And then you go try to watch a Texas game. And like I said, Rick Barnes is like picking his nose and, and, and we're fumbling the ball all over the place and bricking 10 footers. It's just like, I can't. I couldn't get there. So I, I think I'm excited to have Shaka Smart purely for the reason that I think watching a good coach coach a good college basketball team will help me kind of get more invested than I have been because I haven't been doing my due diligence when it comes to college hoops for that reason. It's a large part of it too. I mean, I I have. I'm very fortunate. I have a very quality team to watch. You know, yes, like, yeah. I mean, and it's incredible to watch. Like some of the things they were doing yesterday, I was like, oh, I forgot. This is how we normally play. Like, I forgot that we hold teams to, you know, ridiculously low numbers. Uh, the fact that it was Louisville was even better because um, they, when they came into the league and replacing a Maryland, which I don't miss Maryland at all. Not even going to lie. It's kind of like Texas A&M for you. Do you really miss them? I do, actually. Really? I only yeah. miss them only to watch them suffer um, yeah, exactly. in that regard. But other than that, I don't miss them at all. No. I miss them being a doormat of the Big Twelve because the thing that I'm struggling with is now that, that now that all my A and M friends, you know, uh, have gone to the SEC, they they like to act like they've done something, like they've accomplished something, even though they're just like kind of suckling at the teat of Alabama and just not like haven't never really done anything at all. So I, I it's funny to hear them act like their big shots or talk talk a big game, considering they haven't even you know, been in an SEC title game or never done anything relevant ever. So I kind of miss them being a Big 12 doormat and, and, and watching them lose because now, you know, I thought that they would be nicer. <laughs> you know, I was nice to them. You know, I didn't pick on them. And now, you know, they, I haven't gotten the same. I, I feel like it hasn't been reciprocated. Oh, I do that. So I, now I, I, deal I with want that vengeance. Too. I deal with that too with, with Virginia Tech. <laughs> Virginia Tech is one of the few schools in the entire country that have never won an NCAA title in anything. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's a big problem. So Virginia over here, we have like 24. Um, so a couple of years ago, they were um, basketball game. It was before um, Buzz Williams got there. 
and behind the bench um, where the visitor seats is where our student section is. And so they, the student section made posters with each um, NCAA championship trophy, like picture on them. And then a bigger picture said, Hey, VT got one. I thought that was brilliant. I was yes. like, that's so clever. So yeah. That's what I have to tell them. I'm like, Hey, just like, just, we can talk about this when you've actually like even been in a national championship game. Yeah. That's just a- go to one or just like win a conference once. And then maybe, you know, we can talk about some stuff like, this whole sec thing i mean i think that's why i'm so heated about it on the show sometimes because i have to listen to it all the time and it just so bums me out i mean but that's you know that's my struggle no no no. i agree with you because granted yes alabama did get the national championship it was a well but you know clemson very well could have done it um i was really pulling for clemson because i'm an acc girl um but unless it was virginia tech then i would be like all roll tide all day long cuz i really legitimately hate them but you know this um and my my fans know this and if you're a virginia tech hokey listening to me well that's your own fault um <laughs> but yeah i thought the sec this year was so overrated so so overrated yeah i mean i think you know look i mean uh, we talked about it all the time nick saban is a is a genius he is a savant um and, and i think it's kind of that thing where, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Like he's so good that I think the SEC is perceived as being a little bit better than than it is because Alabama has been such a stalwart in that in college football for so long. I mean, like the dude's like, I mean, what has he won? Like four national titles in the last, like, uh, I don't even know. But I mean, he's won, he's been coaching college football for, for 11 years and he's won five national titles, which is just insane. So, I mean, I, I think that Alabama looks so awesome that they kind of, you know, they they kind of put a rose kind of colored tent on the rest of the conference sometimes, even when it's not as good as it, as people think as it maybe should be or people think it is. And I think this year was definitely one of the one of those one of those times. I agree. All right, since you're a Big Twelve guy and I'm an ACC girl, we're gonna we're gonna debate it because I get this a lot. I claim, and I am right, the ACC <laughs> is the premier college basketball conference in the country. I'm just going to say it. I don't care how many great teams are in the Big 12. I don't care that Oklahoma's number one. I don't care that Kansas – didn't Kansas lose there yesterday? I think they did. Um, so Mikey somewhere is happy because he doesn't like them. Uh, <laughs> but, a single tear rolling down his cheek. I bet he does that. Like, does he get – because he's, he's an interesting guy. I thought about him as the Kansas City Chiefs loss to the um, <laughs> to the Patriots. Not that I was upset about that. I was just one of those – I told you, not to him, but to Chiefs fans because it was Andy Reid that caused it once again. Or yeah. Doug Peterson. Oh, wait, Doug Peterson's the Eagles coach. Yay, we get to talk management <laughs> issues again. Woo-hoo. Something to look forward to. I know. Gosh, yay, Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, I, I am arguing that, yes, the ACC is is the premier conference. But you guys have some competitors over there. It's it's, an, it's a very crowded slate in the Big 12. I mean, I, I think if you're talking in general, I mean, absolutely. ACC is where it's at. I mean, I don't think anybody would really argue their kind of extended dominance. You'd be surprised. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, some people will just ride or die with conference no matter what, and they'll try to, like, you know, fit, fit or, like, make it work however they can. I have people still arguing me that the Big East is still a good conference. I'm like, the Big East, no. We had a requiem (laughs) for it. They're dead. All their best schools are in the ACC. I know. Yeah, the Big Ace is not a thing anymore, which which may be sad. I mean, at one time it probably it probably was <clears throat> the best conference in college basketball, but I think you know, you could maybe make the argument that this year the the Big 12 is especially good. But um I, I you know, to say anything other than the ACC when it 
uh, comes to college basketball, I think would be silly. I think so too, but I'm biased. That's why I like to ask people that, that are intelligent and know, um, because they usually have <laughs> reasons not to. But I mean, when you've got four Hall of Fame coaches playing, plus, you know, you've got programs like Miami, um, Virginia, of course, rising above, um, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh's looking decent, you know, some of the others. Virginia Tech, unfortunately, with Buzz Williams, won't help but get better. They should. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think <laughs> as much as it pains you to say that, that's probably correct. And I think there's just too much <clears throat> history there. And there's two guys, you know, at the very top who are just always going to have good teams no matter what. And then, you know, there's a lot of like up and coming, I think, coaching talent around those guys. So, I mean, I, I think that just always helps. Duke and North Carolina, I mean, there, there's not much, there's not anything that really exists that's more college basketball than that. So, <laughs> I think that's the only answer. Indiana would argue um, that they, nah. but I'm like, no. No, because when you think college basketball, like if the average fan thinks college basketball, they think UNC and Duke. Yeah. You can't help it. Because. And I think that, I mean, at least anybody our age, I mean, like, maybe like some, there's some dudes who like kind of like in their 60s who like kind of like. UCLA maybe. Yeah. Who like pine for like the Bob Knight era Hoosiers. But I don't, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who's really into that. Who is like people we would talk to. Probably, definitely not people listening to podcasts. That's for sure. Probably not. Probably not, because it is supposedly a millennial um, thing. Yeah, you guys talk about. I think it's interesting the things you guys are kind of t- starting to do now with the show. Um, again, Cooper and Rupert, gals and pals. Seriously, go subscribe to it now. It's the one podcast I listen to religiously every week, and I listen to a lot of podcasts because I do things with podcast websites and Block Talk Radio and, and other things. So when I'm telling you that I listen religiously to a podcast listen to them it's very good and not saying that because doug is on there i've said it's a total (laughs) strangers no pressure but it's very very good because it's way sports talk should be it's just two guys with a mic no no flash no anything it's just really good honest conversation that you would have with your buddy at a sports bar um and that's what i love about it so much and you guys are doing some cool topics that are right up my alley um you know i love this whole idea of you guys kind of looking at social trends within the, the world of sports because I've always said that sports will emulate what's going on in real life and then you got this other project now that just premiered where you're bringing like friends to talk like you know a little bit more casually than even your regular show yeah I think we're going to do two new things I mean like I think the deep dive one is called deep dives and they're a more basically what we want to do is kind of exactly what you just said like use sports as a prism to talk about things that are happening in real life so the last one we did was uh, Robert Sarver, the owner of the Suns, basically made this statement about you know millennial cu- culture and and millennials in general that they're self absorbed and they're not going to be successful because of the generation, you know that kind of talk that we hear from every older generation about the younger generation. Uh, so we we had like a you know a doctor on who who wrote a helped write a book called Generation Me, which started all the kind of millennial conversations. So we tell we use that story, sports story, to talk about. The differences in generations and millennial culture. What is really going on with millennial culture? Is it good? Is it bad? And um, we have another one that we're going to have coming out next week, which is called The Immortals. And we had this guy on named Aubrey de Grey, who's probably the leading. He's the leading anti-aging researcher in the entire world. I mean, like this dude's like a, a super genius, brilliant guy, like PhD from Cambridge. He's done like TED talks, that kind of stuff. And basically, what we're doing is we're using 
the information that we got from him about he basically theorizes that we're going to be able to live to we're like a thousand years old like like people who are born right now will be able to live to learn like a thousand and so we're going to use that to kind of speculate and hype kind of you know uh kind of make some conclusions about what sports would look like if you could have like a like a like a 100 or 200 year prime that's crazy. Not only that, but um, it's interesting. I believe it was in sports. I get both Sports Illustrated and ESPN magazines. I'm old school. I still get magazines. Um, you know, I don't get them on my tablet because Do it. it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. Like, like I like the magazine paper. Like, like I'm so old. Um, I'm not really that old. I'm only a couple of years old. <laughs> hey, I still buy books. I mean, that's my thing. Oh, really? I, I, I just can't get on a Kindle. Like, I, I oh, like I love to open a book. Yeah, no, I, I do like. Well, here's the thing with the Kindle, I can read books that um are a little bit more embarrassing. Like when the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing came out, <laughs> yeah. it was great because no one knew exactly what I was reading it. to it. And they're like, "What are you reading?" I'm like, "Um, Great Gatsby." And they're like, "Oh, yeah. okay, yeah." And then I'm like, "No, I'm really reading horribly written because everybody else is reading it. I want to know what happens." So, um, but yeah, no, um, so they just did a special on um what Super Bowl 100 will look like. Oh, cool. Um, it was really cool. It was either in ESPN or it was in Sports Illustrated SI, um, this latest issue. So it may be something to consider or uh, just think about. But yeah, yeah it was, we'll a re- it was really great. I'm sure it's online at this point. Um, but yeah, it, it was very, very good. And yeah, I, I love that angle. Again, maybe I'm weird. Um, but I, I like it because I feel like, you know, in the podcasting, and this is something Mikey and I talked about, I believe it was off air, um, when we had one of our conversations, I want to be really clear. It's not like I'm talking to Mikey every day, uh, (laughs) nothing like that, but every once in a while we'll talk some shop. And one of the things he and I really commented on is that there's very few of us um, in the sports space that are independent from the big guys and ESPN, a Fox, um, Podcast One, any of the other news outlets or connected to a radio station that mm-hmm. are general sports. Um, there's a lot of yeah. niche for like a team or a specific sport, but we're talking like general. Like, again, I've said that you guys have covered the gamut of and some this was not your fault, but like Mikey covered the National Hot Dog Eating Contest and you were like, <laughs> no, and I agree with you. I'm on record saying that because yeah. soggy hakas are disgusting. And no, it's about, you know, a working relationship is about compromise. You know, sometimes well, you, you weren't have to there. Give them- no, he took over that podcast because you weren't there. He did a solo <laughs> show and he, and he decided to add it. And he even said in that solo show, I'll never forget this. Doug's not here. So I can talk about it because he were here. He would not let me. that's that's probably true but i made my compromises that sometimes i will not let him do things that he wants to do well you know that's good you probably like okay since you guys are a pair because i um do not have a co-host um for this podcast it's just me how is that like like how do you guys like balance out who does what or i'm not i'm not talking technical but like who's the straight guy who's the joke guy because you guys it's not really a jokey partnership it's really is just two guys talking about sports and every once in a while there's a little joke but it's it's very slight. It's very subtle. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I would I wish it was a little bit more jokey sometimes. But I like I like talking with Mike. I the reason I like talking with Mikey about this kind of stuff, and the reason I wanted to do this with him in the first place, um, because you know he's more of the radio guy. He's more of the guy who's wanted to do this since he was a kid and stuff. Is because the dude cares. He he just really cares about it, and he's really like he's really into it, and he's passionate about it, and I, and that's what I like. So I mean. That, I think that's more of what he wants to do, and, and I, I like to jump in and, and go along with that because, you know, like I said, I think the things that I'm more interested in are more of like looking at using sports to look at the world. I also love the games and all that kind of stuff, but I, I mean, I, I think you just find out. I mean, basically, all it was was just like what we talk about in our spare time, and I think that that's kind of what reflective of what it became. So, 
it's kind of one of those things that works itself out. I, I think it wasn't a lot of like sitting down and like trying to figure out what the formula is. If that makes any sense. No, it does. Cause like, again, I started my show thinking I was doing one thing and it completely changed into something else. And, um, because I don't have a co-host, I can adapt a little more, um, and grow with it. So it's interesting. Um, and I just, I, yeah, and it's just, it's one of those things where people assume that to do, talk about sports weekly, um, mm-hmm is easy and it's not i mean it's a lot of prep it's a lot of you know you got to think about it i watch way more sports than i ever have before i thought <laughs> yes. i watched a lot of sports and now i'm like no i watch a lot more um to the point where you know i don't watch really anything else so for a while there i had to get off and binge like parks and records you know and do yeah. something else because like i need something else <laughs> other than particularly like those bowl games this year were so bad um <clears throat> so Absolutely. I get it. I get it. And again, you guys do such a good job. Um, I'm gushing over you a little bit, but that's okay. Cause it gushed over Mikey. Like his intro, your <laughs> intro was not as good as, as his intro, his intro. Cause I was so excited. He was on, I was like, Oh my God, it's Mikey Ruber. And he's going, what the hell is going on? So, but yes, Doug, you are definitely a huge part of the success of Cooper and Rupert. And again, it's my favorite sports podcast. So if Galpa nation has not been convinced to listen to you now, they don't have a pulse. Um, <laughs> as Mikey said about me, um, <laughs> on my appearance, with you guys but doug where can they go to find you uh you can go into itunes just search cooper and rupert um that's the easiest way i think you can subscribe there leave us a rating you can leave us a question in the comments if you want um you can also go to cooper and rupert.com we have a website there uh that's usually what happens at dot coms um and then uh <laughs> and then we have a twitter which is uh at cooper and rupert so it's all pretty much the same yeah, you guys make it really easy. I feel kind of bad. I assumed because Mikey and I have had many conversations on Twitter that he was running it, and apparently it's you that's running it. I do. I mean, we kind of we kind of both just jump on. I mean, we kind of just if he wants to tweet something, he does, and if I do, I do, and that's kind of like the. I mean, like that's kind of the way we kind of do everything. It's just like whoever wants to do something at that moment can do it. Nice, nice, nice. Speaking of ratings reviews, I want to give a shout out to Tony. I guess it's Lloyd. There's, there's only one L though, um, but he wrote this great review of my podcast. He goes, probably the coolest line in any movie was in There's Something About Mary when Mary asked, hey, do you want to go upstairs and watch Sports Center?" Yes, there's something about a woman who can talk smack when it comes to sports and the sports gal pal is all about that great stuff. Well, thank you. Um, again, you can find my um, podcast on iTunes and leave a review there and I will read it on air. Yes, a little shout out, but thank you, Tony Lloyd, for that great review. I guess there's something about <laughs> a woman that likes sports, but there's a lot of us guys, you know, just because I, there, there are a lot more women than you think that, that know their stuff. Again, just embrace us. We're not unicorns. So yes. And Doug, yeah, God. and again, all the show notes to Doug and to his amazing Cooper and Rupert podcast. Again, it's my favorite. I will be on my show notes at sportsgalpal.com and Doug, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I had a great time, Ramona. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast. And be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.